Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. our praise on you. God, our hearts are, are stirred to hope again, to think about the way that you've come through time and time again in history. It seems like silence is never ending, almost deafening, like it's never going to change, God. You break through. And so, God, this morning I pray that if there's anyone in this room that needs a breakthrough from you today, God, that you would whisper in their ear that you have not forgotten them, that you are Yahweh, you are the God who remembers, that you would give them new hope, that you would give them fresh hope. We exalt you and we honor you as the name above any name, Jesus Christ. And all this we pray. Good morning, and Merry Christmas. Anybody else excited that Christmas is here? It is time. I know we got a couple of weeks, but it's here, right? It's here. I am really, really excited, and welcome to Christmas season with People of Hope. For the next few weeks, we will be leaning in to understanding more and more and more of the beauty and power of what it is that God gave His Son Jesus as a gift to the world. And so I'm really excited, and I hope you come away from each of these weeks really sensing that the the biggest thing in the room isn't Christmas. The biggest thing in the room is God's grace and love for us through His Son, Jesus. We want to lift Him up uh, above the holiday, above all the things that go with it, but we are also going to lean into all the things that we enjoy about Christmas and a good, good time together, and we got the trees rolling, and we got some gifts uh, happening up here, and this morning, we're launching into a new teaching series called The Thrill of Hope, and it's pulled from that O Night Divine, O Holy Night uh, lyric and that Christmas song, the, the, The Thrill of Hope. And so we're going to lean into that. We'll be talking about that song a little bit uh, in a couple of weeks. But this morning, uh, we're going to start it out just really taking a look at uh, sort of the foundations of hope and what, what hope is all about. Christmas is one of those times when hope is often thought about. Um, I, I like presents. Anybody else want to admit that? Anybody else confident enough to just secure enough? It's okay. You can like presents. All right? And I, I'm a present shaker. Anybody else? I usually make sure there's nobody else around. I mean, there's protocol, right? I mean, there's, there's good, there's, you know, you got to be a good courteous re- recipient, but I'm a present shaker. I'm also a present evaluator. Anybody else with me on this? I'm looking at the size of that box. I'm pretty sure it's not a basketball. Or they've upped their game and they've deflated said basketball. Anybody else buy bigger boxes than you need to hide what's in the box? Anybody open a big giant box and there's a little bitty gift card um, inside of there. But, but I don't know, what, I don't, what in the world does this sound like? Listen. A box in a box? A box in a box? 
I don't know. But there's a lot of hope when you're a little kid or when you're 50. There's a lot of hope. I hope it's this. I hope it's that. I hope it's this. I'm waiting for that. Is that the one? I've been asking for this. It was on my list. I've tried to, I've been waiting. I hope it's that. I don't know what that is. Actually, I do know what that is. Do you know what that is? But for days, it sits there calling to you under the tree. You're waiting for Christmas Eve. And Christmas Eve comes and you're thinking like, I know we open our gifts on Christmas Day, but could we open one gift on Christmas Eve? The negotiations start. And you've already shaken all the gifts. You know exactly which gift you're headed for first and which one is the one that's calling your name. I think we should just open this and find out what's in here. What What do you hope it is? Candy. I'm glad nobody said a puppy because there are no air holes in this. I don't know. Excuse me. What thrill in opening the gift? And you, and you, try, you just go through the motions of trying to like respect the wrapping paper. You don't care about the wrapping paper. You are just going at it. And I did not bring a knife with me. Everybody stay where you are. Don't, don't bring your blades up here. Yeah, this box is not going to be reused. It's not happening. All right. It's a bag of Reese's peanut butter cups. That is not a bad. Joe David, is that your thing? Merry Christmas, Joe David. All right. Drumsticks. <laughs> Ty called it out. Ty's a drummer. He, he knows exactly uh, what's going on there. So um, is there a parent with a small child in the room that <laughs> all, of, all the parents are looking away right now? Don't you dare give my kid those drumsticks. Somebody, somebody yeah, yeah, Will wants this go. There you go. Enjoy, man. Go crazy. A big saucepan in the kitchen. Turn it upside down and just, just kind of go at that. <laughs> Christmas has all sorts of hope leveled into it. And we've got these presents. They're wrapped in disguise. And we kind of, oh, I hope it's this. I hope it's that. I hope it's that. There's longing in there. I want to see what's in there. I real, I've been really wanting this and I'm trying not to look selfish. But I really hope it's that. We're waiting for that. That's the hope. Hope is when there's something unfulfilled. Hope only exists where there's something unsatisfied. Hope only exists when there's something that's not quite resolved. I don't have it yet. I hope it's that. Or the doctors can't figure out what's wrong with me. I hope. I've been waiting for this kind of relationship in my life. Hope, hope exists where something is unresolved, this longing and waiting. And I believe God wants to teach us some things through hope, through the Christmas season. Let's go to the Bible 
The very first part of the Christmas story as we know it actually begins with Zechariah and with um, Elizabeth. And I, I think um, Rachel was talking a little bit about that this morning. But we're in Luke chapter 1. It's going to come up on your screen if you didn't get a chance to get it on your phone or as an app or bring a copy of the scriptures with you. But in Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 5 and read quite a few verses together about this experience of hope and longing and the thrill of hope. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. And both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive And they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Time out. So Zechariah works for the temple. He is one of the priests with duties at the temple. He is facilitating. He's like a a worship leader or a hospitality host or one of the other hope builder teams that we have at POH. He's helping make things happen for other people. It was his turn, his group. They had an eight-day service they had to do, and they would kind of rotate on and do their service, and later on they would rotate off, and it would be another group of priests who were on duty in the temple. And it came to him by lot, and, and lot is literally, uh, in those days, they would cast lots, and it was almost like, you know, they would kind of throw some things, and however it would come up, they, his name was drawn from a hat. You can put it in those terms. Now his name was drawn from a hat out of the group on duty in that eight-day period. He was assigned the job to go and burn incense. In the holy temple of God, this was a place where worshipers came. And there were outer courts. And then there were inner courts. And then there were this, these special sanctuary spots. And then inside of that was the holy of holies. And in the outer courts, just about anybody could come around. There was a court of the Gentiles. There was a place, unfortunately, in this era where women were relegated to only be able to go in some certain areas. And these outer places, large crowds, lots of noise, lots of mingling, lots of things going on. And then you would come into the inner courts. And this is where only the the Jewish people could come. And it was usually only men who could come into this area. And then inside that inner sanctuary, there were even fewer still people. And this is where some of the incense and other things were going on. Inside the tiniest part of that was a place called the Holy of Holies, and that's where the Ark of the Covenant was, and that's where they believed the presence of God dwelled, and only the high priest could go in there, and only ever so often, and you had to be really careful when you came into the presence of God, or you could lose your life. But just outside of that tiny Holy of Holies place where it's only one person every once in a while was this little sanctuary area where Zechariah His name was drawn, and he was burning incense. What does burning incense mean? I don't mean one of those little sticks that you set on fire and it smells good in your room. Think about a big giant bowl, a gilded, beautiful bowl that was just ornate and just exquisitely crafted, and it was to be burnt day and night 
It was this pleasing aroma rising up to the Lord. It was symbolizing a whole lot of things that we won't jump into this morning. But there was a task that it had to be kept going day and night, day and night, day and night. So somebody had the duty of keeping that fire going, keeping the things on it that would make it smell good and keep that incense burning. But there weren't a whole lot of other people in that space except the priest who was assigned to be there. That's what's going on here in this moment. Let's jump in. The people, the worshipers, were praying outside. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. Oh, I bet he was. There was no thought of, uh, excuse me, sir, what are you doing in here? I'm a priest, you're not a priest. No, 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 he was not He was not confused that this was some guy. This was an angel of the Lord. And the presence of the heavenly being showing up in that moment, it says he was standing beside the altar of the incense. Now in my picture of it, he's leaning on the altar of the incense, just being all stud, just right there as an angel of God. Zechariah is gripped with fear. He is stunned, it says. Look what the angel says to him. The angel said to him, do not be afraid. Isn't that so great? That the messengers of God, remember that's what the word angel means, is a messenger. The messengers of God come to us and they say, right out of their mouth, the first thing is this, heaven's not mad at you. I'm from heaven, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Yes, I am other than you. I have been created by God, but I am not like you. But don't be afraid. Yes, my presence and my demeanor and my look is intimidating. Probably got the glow of heaven on him. But don't be afraid. It's okay, Zechariah. Maybe some of you needed to hear this morning at the beginning of the Christmas season, heaven's not mad at you. Some of you have lost the reality of the smile of God over your life. If you're a believer in Jesus, there are times when you as a child of God can come under the discipline of your father and he as a good parent, God is such a good parent, he will refuse to let you grow up to be a spiritual brat and he will discipline you. But there's never a time when he stops loving you. There's never a time when he is no longer proud that you're his child. God loves you, heaven's not mad at you. You may need to make some adjustments. You may need to listen to what the Father is telling you. You may need to get on board with what you know is right, but nothing that you are doing is changing the way God sees you or the way God feels about you. And even on your worst day, you cannot sin your way out of sonship. You cannot sin your way out of being a daughter of God. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Whoa, can you imagine what he's thinking? Which prayer? (laughs) 
But I bet, as some of you know, longing and waiting, something unfulfilled, something unsatisfied, something unresolved, when you've got hope, I bet nobody has to tell you which prayer. That prayer. The prayer that's in your brain 23 and a half hours of every day. The prayer that it's just part of your breathing now. A prayer that's often accompanied with tears. A prayer where hope sometimes is effort because you've been praying that prayer for a while. But your hope mingled with faith rises up to God. Do not grow weary in praying. Do not stop. Do not give up on God. Do not count him out. Do not close the door. Do not say it's over because your story isn't over. And when Zechariah is told your prayer, not your prayers, your prayer has been answered. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. You see, earlier in the passage, we saw very clearly, um, Luke told us that Zechariah and Elizabeth were very old and Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And this is the prayer that's at the front of their lives. They want an heir. They want a blessing. They want somebody to pour out all this love on. Come on, God. And some of you in that room have prayed that specific prayer. Some of you in this room may be praying that specific prayer right now in the season of your life you're in. Come on, God. Provide us with kids. Open the door to that blessing in our lives. They've been waiting, they've been waiting, they've been waiting. And they had hope. And that hope showed up in the form of prayer. Don't ever lose your commitment to praying for big things. Because you need to remember the one to whom you pray is the one who spoke and there was light. The one to whom you pray is the one who knows every hair on your head. The one to whom you pray is holding gravity in place right now and managing all of the distant galaxies and every detail of your week and all the things coursing through your veins right now. Simultaneously, without effort, he can do anything. And the miracle of prayer, the miracle of prayer is, is that you get to talk to the God the God of the universe is listening to you. Don't ever stop asking God for big things. And don't give up hope. Because until the story is over, there is still a way that our God can make anything happen. Amen? Amen. Until the story is over, there is a way our God can do anything. That's the thrill of hope. The thrill of hope for me in going to God on the 78th day in a row with the same prayer is, it's not that I'm trying to say the magic words, it's the one I'm talking to. That's where my hope is. My hope is I'm talking to the God. 
who parts waters and raises the dead. And who opens wombs. And heals the sick. And repairs marriages. And guides and directs and provides. Do not grow weary in praying because the access is one of the biggest miracles on the planet. That with all of our inconsistencies and rebellion, with all of our flesh-driven selfishness, the God calls himself our Father and says, ask of me. Seek and knock. Come to me. I want to hear what's on your heart. Ask of me. It's a miracle. And that's a thrill. So when you wake up tomorrow and it's day 79 on that prayer, that, that one prayer, let there be a thrill of hope to say, God, the story's not over and whoa, I'm coming to you with hope in the form of a prayer. Zechariah, your prayer has been answered. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And now the angel is going to uh, give a little detail about the, the kind of blessing that Zechariah and Elizabeth are about to receive. He's going to tell them a little bit about God's plan for John. Here's what it says here um, in verse 14. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink. That talks to do with a specific vow that some people in Israel in that day could take. It was a, just sort of a special dedicated vow. He's to be set aside with that kind of a vow. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearers, excuse me, to turn the hearts of their parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the, drum roll, for the Lord, for the Lord. Do remember that before this moment, before this appearing, there had been 400 years of silence from heaven. There had been no prophecies. There had been no angels appearing. There had been no momentous moments like this. It is likely that there was no one still alive who had been alive the last time there had been a word from heaven. And what were the people of Israel waiting for? Messiah. The one who would be from the tribe of David. The one who was promised. It would be a fulfillment of this covenant. A fulfillment of that covenant. Going all the way back to the covenant with Abraham. Where God said, I'll be yours and you'll be mine. And I will make your descendants as many as, as you could even imagine. And I will fulfill my promise. A day is coming. A day is coming. A suffering servant is coming. A king is coming. 
and he will born, be born Emmanuel. He's coming. He's coming. Hold on, he's coming. And what they were clinging to was a promise, and they were longing, and they were waiting. Let's put perspective on board here together. You've been waiting how long? They were waiting 400 years still. And now Zechariah is here. And you need to understand, big news for Zechariah and Elizabeth that they were going to have a baby. Because it was the prayer. But the bigger news here is your son John, who's going to be a delight to you. What a cool thing for God to do. Isn't God gracious? I'm not only going to give you a kid, but you're going to like him. <laughs> He's going to make you happy. You're going to sit back and just beam. And then watch how God's going to use him. Here's why I'm telling you what his name's going to be. It's because heaven is a purpose for yours, your child. And he's going to be a delight to you, but don't forget this. He's going to make ready the people for the Lord. It's time. The promise is being fulfilled. The longing has come to an end. The waiting is over. Your hope is now about to be satisfied. Messiah is coming. Sometimes I like to think about what was going on in heaven in this moment. For centuries, the angels who do not know fully the mind of God were wondering, is this the day? Is this the day? When, when are we going to go? The creation is growing, groaning. The creation is longing. The people are suffering. They are under the yoke of the law, which is no help for them. It's not working. They are so sin-riddled and destitute and so depraved. They are spiritually dead. When, Father? When? Is it today? Is it today? Is it today? Are we going to go? And we talked about Zechariah. He was chosen out of the hat to get to be the one. This messenger got to be the one. Can you imagine that moment? Step up. It's today. You are my messenger. Let's go. Let's announce it. Let's get it going. Game on. It's time. Your son, Zechariah, is going to make ready the people for the Lord. And if you haven't read your Bible in a while, that's, that's, it's understandable if you haven't connected these dots yet. This baby, John, who's going to be the baby of Elizabeth and Zechariah, the baby of their old age, the baby they weren't sure would ever happen, the baby who they might have almost given up hope on, this baby, this answered prayer baby is going to be John the Baptist, who's going to be a voice crying in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord is here. And he will baptize Jesus. This is John. Let's pick it up in verse 18. And Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? Uh-oh. Zechariah's human. Does that sound familiar to any of you? <laughs> B 
big God, huge God. Yeah, but really? I can't see how it's going to work out. That's the, that's the whole point here. It's not about what you can see. It's about what God can do. It's not about what you can see. It's about what God can do. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to pull this off. It's not about what you can do, but it's about what God can do. And in this majestic, beautiful, powerful, earth-changing moment, Zechariah's humanity sneaks up and he says, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is, how shall we say this? She's well along in years. (laughs) He hadn't lost all of his marbles. And this moment of doubt, of not trusting, becomes costly for Zechariah. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. God's got a clock and God's got a calendar and it's happening. He does not share the details of that clock. He does not share the details of that calendar, but it's going to happen. Oh, how we wish he would share the details of that calendar and of that clock. God wants you and God wants me to live in a posture of faith, not self-confidence. Not, I see how this can work. I see how I can pull this off. No, God wants us living in a posture of dependence on him, of hope. I'm clinging to hope. Have you ever doubted God? I have. Not because I was sinful or ungodly. I'm just human sometimes. I don't see it. I mean, come on, God, it's, it's cancer. Come on, God, it, it's been years. But our God can do anything, true? Come on, our God can do anything. But we're human and we doubt. And it cost Zechariah, but there was still grace in it. He didn't say you're going to not be able to speak for the rest of your life. He just says, until this happens. That's kindness. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for putting up with our humanity and our weakness and our doubts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you have moments of doubt and weakness, you're in the right church because the rest of us do too. We are not perfect. Welcome. So Zechariah is waiting for, what's the end of the verse there say? It'll come true at the appointed time. Verse 21, meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. (laughs) 
There are stories in the Old Testament of people who were in the presence of God and they offered unauthorized fire and some things went badly and they just were crispy critters on the spot. I mean, they just died. And you kind of wonder if the crowd outside of there was wondering that about Zechariah. He's been in there a long time. You go check on him. I'm not going in to check on him. You go check on him. It shouldn't take that long to light the incense. What's up? They were beginning to wonder about him. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. Can you picture that? The most interesting game of charades there's ever been. How do you make signs that I just talked to Gabriel, who was standing next to the altar of incense, and he said, I'm going to have a child, and he's going to be the one to prepare the way of the Lord, even though my wife is well along in years. How do you make those gestures? I don't know what the international charade symbols are, but that's the picture going on here. He comes out, and he can't talk. And he's having to show them signs. And whether it was by the Spirit of God or whatever, but the people catch on. Do you know why? They've been longing for a long time too. They've been waiting just like the rest of the people. They've been in a mode of hope where their longings were unresolved. Verse 23 When his time of service was completed, he returned home. Anybody else in the room think that at that point you could have like turned in a note like, I should probably go home for the day. I can't speak anymore. But he finished his service. I love that. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. I want to talk just for a moment about those two things at the end of that verse before we kind of wrap up this morning. The Lord has done this for me. Whatever prayer you're praying right now, make sure when it is answered that you give credit to the Lord. Make sure that he gets the glory. Out of your mouth, Not just privately in your heart. Tell everybody who will listen. Yes, here's the good news in my life. Let me tell you what God has done. The other piece I want you to hear in verse 25 is, the Lord has done this for me. He has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Among the people there has to do with the ancient Near East in this time period, in these days right before B.C. is going to become A.D. In these days, things were really skewed and imbalanced in their view of men and women and the value of men and the value of women. And there was all kinds of thought of men were the, the breadwinners and, the, and these were the ones who were important and all this other kind of stuff. And the women, they had function, but it was sort of in the home. And, and you're a good man if you can do these things, but you're a good woman if you can have babies. 
That's the way it was then. And I don't want anybody in this room to mistake the word of the Lord this morning. Do not let this creep into your heart that if you can't have a baby, you have disgrace on your life. That's not what this verse is saying. If you are wanting to have a baby and not having a baby, what this verse is reminding us today is, is that things will happen at their appointed time. And it will be the Lord who does it for you. But the disgrace here, I just don't want the enemy to have even a millisecond of whispering in your heart that there's anything wrong with you or disgraceful about you or lesser about you. It's about the ancient Near East and their culture, which was imbalanced and unhealthy. Incredible story of hope and longing realized and satisfied. I want to give you a couple of thoughts. They're just real quick before we go this morning. Don't miss this this morning. Number one, your prayers have been heard. That's what Gabriel told Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. And I just want that to land on your spirit this morning. If your prayer hasn't been answered you still can cling to the fact that it's been heard by the God. And if he hasn't responded, it's because he has a plan. The second thing I want you to hear this morning out of this amazing story of hope resolved is that you have not been forgotten. You have not been forgotten. I think even God put that in, in Rachel's mind and mouth this morning as she was talking to us coming out of the worship set there. You have not been forgotten. I love that, that Gabriel showed up and he's here to get the one who's gonna be the, the forerunner to Jesus going. He's here to say, John's coming. The voice crying in the wilderness is coming. The preparing the way of the Lord guy is coming. But also, Zechariah, you have not been forgotten. That prayer, the prayer has been answered. And I'm here. I stand in the presence of God. I am like one of the chief angels. And I have been dispatched by God to bring this good news to you. And I would just say to you today, don't give up hope. Because you have not been forgotten. Number three, God's timing is perfect. God's timing does not follow our preferences. It follows his perfect timing. I am so impatient. Anybody else? You guys took too long to answer. Waiting is hard. Waiting is so draining. I'm waiting. I'm, I'm being selfish. I'm sure I should be grateful. I don't know. I want to wait. But I still believe. And I'm struggling to believe. I believe today. Yes, tomorrow I may struggle to believe. It's hard to wait. God, open the door for the new job. God, open the door for a relationship. God, open the door for school. Open the door for, for healing and restoration. God, open the door for, for this, that, or the other. Open the door for all of these things. God, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. It's hard. It's hard. 
I cannot promise you or tell you when, but I can tell you that if you've brought it before the Lord, he has a plan for it. And I will tell you that even before you mentioned it to the Lord, because prayer never informs God, by the way. He's God. He knows what's going on in your heart and life. He's working on whatever it is that's a burden in your heart and life. And his timing will be perfect. I don't know when it's going to happen, but his timing will be perfect. Somebody needed to hear that today. Two more. Number four. God's asking you to trust him. It's as simple as I can put it. God is asking you to trust him. Did Gabriel have a strong reaction to his word not being trusted? Yeah. God's asking you to trust him this morning. God's asking you to trust him with what is unresolved in your life. But I don't see it. It's about him. I, I don't know how it can It's about him. That take your hope. And hold on to it. Not in what you can do. Hope in what he can do. And there's something thrilling in that. This could be the day. Because my God can do anything. Isn't that true? This could be the day. That's the thrill of hope. God's asking you to trust him. Well, I'll trust him, but could he please hurry up? His timing's perfect. Really, years maybe? Trust him. Because I tell you this, and it is worthy of full acceptance. Whatever God's plan is for your life, it's the best plan for your life. He's asking you to trust him. Number five, the last one. I just want to make this point this morning. Hope only exists on earth. You can't be hope, you're only hoping for something when something's unresolved or unfulfilled. As best as I understand it, there is no hope in heaven because no one's holding out for anything. Everything is resolved. Everything is complete. Everything is fulfilled. There's not a person in heaven who you go, how's it going? Well, I'm really hoping. Nope. Isn't that a beautiful thought? That hope only exists when something's unfulfilled or unresolved. There's only hope on the earth. We have a, a, a promise from our God that if we believe in Jesus and we follow him as his disciple, that if we become Christians, followers of Jesus, we have the hope of eternal life in heaven. And I want this hope to be the most thrilling hope of all for you today. That God loves you so much 
that even though you've been sinful, he sent his only son, Jesus, to be born as a baby in the manger in the most humble way you could imagine, on a mission to grow up and to give his life as a sacrifice for the guilt of your sinfulness and my sinfulness. And he died, and God raised him from the dead, and God looks at you and looks at me and says, if you will put your faith in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross... You can be forgiven of all your sins. You can be made free from the grip of sin. You can be made clean from all the shame and guilt of sin. And you can have the promise of eternity in a place where hope no longer exists. Because everything is complete and fulfilled. There's no yearning in heaven. There's no waiting in heaven. There's no discouragement in heaven. There's no doubt in heaven. And if you know Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus by faith, if you followed him as his disciple, that thrilling hope is where you're headed. This is temporary. That is forever. But it only comes to us by believing in Jesus. Now that's a hope I can cling to in dark days. How about you? That God loves us and he's preparing for us a place where hope is unnecessary. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Hope only exists here. I don't know where your world is right now as you come into the Christmas season of 2018 and I just want to stir you up to hope in God. It's a thrilling way to live because he answers prayers. He hears prayers. He has not forgotten you. He can do anything. He's asking you to trust him. And this hope you're having to live through is only temporary. If you've never believed in Jesus, you should do that today and choose to become his disciple and follow him. Just tell him you want to believe in him and follow Jesus and have your sins forgiven and he'll do it. And heaven will be yours as well. Hope can be thrilling. Let's pray.